Hello and welcome to the podcast, Priest, Brother, and You, where we discuss your deepest questions from life on campus. My name is Father Jake Anderson, pastor, priest, and director here at St. Lawrence Catholic Church and Newman Center, which is a mouthful. I'm also joined by several others, uh, Brother Matthew and Catherine. Brother Matthew. Great to be here today on our second podcast today. Yes, we're with Catherine Myers, who is a sophomore studying English at the University of Minnesota. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for having me, you guys. Catherine, how did you decide to study English? Oh, that's actually kind of a crazy story. Um, I came in as a business major um, and just kind of realized that that was not where I needed to be. I kind of looked around and saw a lot of people whose motivation was literally to get people to to spend money or to do something and to manipulate them. And I just couldn't really study that. Um, I couldn't find a way to spin it to good. And I was kind of praying about that. And the Lord really broke into my heart and said, I kind of want you to study English um, and learn how to be a voice for those who you struggle to find theirs and, and just to be able to lift people up through this, this language because language is so powerful, um, which is actually kind of a funny segue into what I wanted to talk about today, um, ironically. Um, this world is, is really noisy. A lot of people are always kind of fighting to make their voice heard, to, to make a point, to make their mark in the world. And there's all this stimulus, all these things that are being thrown at you all the time. And, and we kind of, sometimes we look to noise to, to numb our pain or numb our thoughts or, or distract us. And I was kind of thinking about this the other day and I was wondering, well, are we supposed to, to live like that? Or, or is there something to be found instead in, in the opposite of noise, which is, which is silence? Yeah, I uh, even just when you were speaking, um, I was just reminded of this little phrase of things grow in silence and not in noise. Yeah, just even the organic nature of silence is like that's where any any organic growth happens. And when there's not silence, it just seems like we're almost spinning our wheels, and it gets not only uncomfortable at times, but it's like, is this a uh, is this what we're for? Is this what we should be doing? Yeah, certainly, certainly in this time too, especially we're recording now right before the presidential election, and there is so much noise out there about the election. I don't normally find myself on Twitter, but I did about a week ago, and I regretted it as, as usual. And it was just crazy to see how much how many sound bites are being thrown in every single direction without actually being, without without actually communicating anything like a sustained argument? Rather, it's just an explosion of data, and it's so hard to to sift through all that and see what's what does this actually mean. So I think right now, especially, this is a time of a lot of noise. Yeah, I guess I guess my question for that is why has has like noise and and this cacophony of of opinions and thoughts why has that become our resting place and have we kind of lost this this ability to rest in silence like why is why is noise our resting place yeah this is again to to brothers uh brother matthew's point it's almost like this has become the the normal uh the not just the new norm because it's been around a while uh, but just with the increasing volume of the noises certainly compounded by the political season and all the pressures 
But it does seem as, as life gets more technological and more complicated and more fast paced and expediency and efficiency uh, are some of the greatest virtues. Um, along with that, I think just comes with, um, it's easier to live in the noise because we don't have to think about our, our problems. We don't have to think deeply about, dare I say, even our deepest desires. So it seems like it's easier to live in the noise, even if it's not good and what we most desire, it's certainly easier. And I think as we go forward, it's, it's harder to live in silence because noise is easier because it's more uh, an easier form of escape from just needing to think about deeper things that either most move me or are painful or things I don't even want to think about. Yeah, it's easier to live in noise. And once we live in it, then we get a taste of it and it's hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of a climate of living in noise. So Catherine, what do you, what do you think? What is, why, why do you, as a college student, why do you think people live in the noise? Um, I think when you're a college student, you're trying to, to figure out what's, what's true, what's good. And you kind of just are in this period of searching and exploring and, and wrestling, quite frankly. Um, and you just kind of have a lot thrown at you all the time. And sometimes I think people want that. Like you think about this culture of, of podcast listening and, and like all these, this like hunger for, for things. I think that that's, people really are searching for something good, something true in that sense. Um, but I think that there is this other side of it that's like people walk around campus and they have their headphones in all the time and they, they don't look at each other. They don't acknowledge each other. It's just me. And I'm just like, I have something to do and I'm going to put on this music so that that does the, the thinking for me or the processing or the narrating of my life for me. And I think for a while I definitely fell into that. It was just, it was just easier, you know, like there's a lot of psychology behind how music can affect how we feel or, you know, how we experience the world around us. And it's kind of this, it does the processing for you in some ways. But I think, I think what struck me about this topic and why I wanted to talk about it is because once I stopped putting the headphones in, once I stopped like having this constant background, like I was, I started to hear the Lord's voice in, in everything. And in the people that I passed or in random things that I read on, on the streets or, or whatnot, just being able to start to narrate my own life and, and have to not be thinking all the time, but just like really open and like allowing the Lord to speak to me at random moments. And yeah, I think kind of a next question for you guys from that is what do you see us standing to gain by learning how to live in the silence and and what are you know how does the lord speak to us in the silence and how can we kind of grow to be comfortable with silence because i think people are deeply uncomfortable when silence is presented to them um i think about like small groups that i've led or whatnot whenever we come to a place of silence it's always like oh my gosh this is so awkward you know why is no one talking why doesn't anyone filling this void um because silence can sometimes feel like an absence of something, um, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily convinced that that's true. 
Yeah, and I've certainly felt that as a priest in many different ways, but as you mentioned, like on a retreat or giving a talk, where maybe I'm just even looking down at my notes and there's like this natural pause from going from one point to another, and I almost feel the awkwardness, <laughs> and people start shifting their weights a little bit, and I'm trying to find my place, and the, in my mind, it's almost like people might walk out because there's not something filling immediately this space. So, um, yeah, what makes us uncomfortable about silence? Uh, again, I think even just thinking about my own experience, I like to have things quickly. And when there's silence, it seems like there's an absence of just anything and nothing's really happening and certainly nothing's happening quickly. And so with, again, e the, the notion of it's easier to live in noise and fast-paced action because we have a culture of immediacy. I want things right now and gratification should never be delayed. <laughs> and so where that's uh, not given, where there's a time of silence or a break in the action, it's like, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not getting anything right now. I'm not getting fed right now. Um, so that's what comes to mind just for me instinctually about, you know, at least right now, why silence can be perceived as being uncomfortable or awkward. It might be helpful to think about the nature of silence. There is something true when we say that silence is awkward. It gets at something. Silence is a void. But I think we, we have to see silence is good not as an end, but as a means. Silence is good because it opens us up to something, to what. So I think this explains why, for example, in the New Testament and in the scriptures as a whole, there are very few exhortations to silence, but there are many exhortations to prayer, and even more in the New Testament to preach, to proclaim. I think even in the say, Revelations chapter 8, how, how John describes the worship in heaven. He says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. <laughs> and then there resumed the praise of God. So the issue, the issue with sound or the issue with noise is that it's discordant. But rather, sound itself can be something good when it's, when it's ordered, when it's ordered. So again, so silence is, as we experience it, it's a means. It's a means to what? I would propose it's a means to our own recollection. Now, it's out of that place of recollection where we can speak harmoniously. We can speak in a sustained way. We can speak coherently about something. But it's also from there, I think, two, two things that I would propose for us. Silence is a means, especially as Christians, it's a means to prayer, one, and two, true leisure. And notice nowhere in there is time for distraction or just kind of thinking by myself or just staying in a room where no one can look at me or see me or hear me, but rather it's a means to prayer and leisure. Yeah, within that, I, I also think of, again, to the question, what do we hope to gain from silence? And to your point, brother, like it's not just uh, an end, but a means to these ends of prayer and leisure. And another element that comes to mind is, is depth to life itself. So where living in a culture of noise, everything's on the surface. Everything is sound bites. Everything is instant gratification. 
But when I'm entering into silence and I'm not afraid of the awkwardness or the difficulty um, and I'm seeking it in the means to a, a deeper life of prayer and authentic leisure, it adds a real depth to life. Um, I was even reading uh, St. John Henry Newman, some of his writings the other day, who wrote thousands and thousands of letters. And in one of his letters, he wrote something, I forget exactly how he said it, but he said, you know, it's in writing, we have to pause and think about what we're going to say before we think it. He said, and it's in that thinking, it's in that pause, that we're actually able to grow in the depth of our own understanding. So in a real way, like, what do we hope to gain? Wow, somebody that's entering into silence, they actually have a character. <laughs> they actually have a real personality. They're not just summing up or quoting the, the nearest tabloid or what somebody else said or even the lyrics to a song, but they actually have something to say because they have learned it through the silence. They've learned it through prayer and through authentic leisure. And it's encouraging to me to think that some people with very little exposure to media outlets or even books, but but living, say, even in the past, 200 years ago, an agrarian lifestyle, which itself cultivates silence, someone like that who can be, in some sense, very uneducated on what's going on in the wider world can be a recollected person and actually has something to say. Even in talking about this, I'm like, wow, I, it creates a desire and a longing for me to have more silence in my life. Even just about the little bit that we've shared. Like yeah, something yeah. about calling it out. Yeah, stop talking, Father Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't we just uh, have a podcast with no words? Just, just click play and there's nothing. Yeah, if you're listening right now, shut it off and pray. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I remember my first eight-day retreat. It was eight days of silence. And I was scared to death about this. I don't know why, because I've had plenty of moments of silence, camping and whatnot. But there's something about actually being intentional, like I am choosing silence. It's not accidental. That scares a lot of people. And I remember my first eight-day retreat. It was my second year of seminary. And after three days, I kid you not, I had this headache from the silence. It was so weird. Um, because by the third day, like the various little soundtracks of all the songs I've been listening to lately, like it just sort of drifted away and not even the soundtrack or the memory of a song was coming to mind. And it was like, it was total silence. It was like my body was actually trying to adjust to that fact. And it was an odd sort of experience. But what, after that third day, it was like a new door opened to my access to God. And when people start, you know, if, when I've read books and people start saying like, I was able to hear God, it was like after that third day, and it's probably different for every person, but for me, after that third day of silence, having endured through the headache of entering into silence and away from the soundtracks going on in my mind, it really seemed to open a door in a way that I'd never experienced before to hear the voice of God. Catherine, a lot of times college students will tell me that they're busy. And I always nod my head, but I don't always believe them. 
it seems to me like a lot of college students, if they wanted to, would have time for silence and for, for gaining a spirit of recollection. Why do you think so many people go so quickly to entertainment when there's an option for silence? I think just that statement definitely says a lot about our culture being one where we seek the nearest pleasure, like the nearest satisfaction as it's presented to us. And and I think a distraction and, and kind of a numbing that comes from, you know, just this constant flow of entertainment, constant flow of stimulus. I think that that small satisfaction satisfies some people in some regard um, enough to, to make them continue coming back to it. I know I definitely lived that for a long time. You know, it was, oh gosh, it's been such a long day. Like all I want to do is watch a show on Netflix or something. And that seems restful to me. Um, but yeah, like once I started actually experiencing like true satisfaction that only comes from prayer and from the Lord, it's like, oh gosh, like these Netflix shows, they did nothing for me or or these things that I used to do to kind of fill that void. It, it does nothing, but it's it's this cheap substitute, this, this um, I don't know, this almost good that we, we see. It, it, it doesn't even stand up against the real thing when it's put to the test, but so many people are living in such a way that they've never experienced the real thing. They've never experienced that actual satisfaction that that they're okay with just living with this this cheap thing that that kind of works and it it really is the thing you do have to kind of detox from the noise of the world when you're coming into silence because it's it's oppressive and it, it just continues bombarding your brain even after you've kind of left this state of being immersed in the noise and so I think that's like silent retreats are a really radical thing to people mm. when people hear about them they're always like what what's the good in that? Like you're just wasting eight days. You're just sitting and doing nothing. But it's like, no, actually, like you said, you're opening doors to something that you can't really access when you're constantly just being bombarded. Yeah. And even to go back to our phrase, you just used Catherine a second ago, um, like seeing Netflix and all these various shows as at times, because sometimes they can be a, an authentic form of relaxation, a good movie and whatnot. Uh, but at times, and maybe even often so, you, you use the phrase like they're cheap substitutes. And um, I think there's something so beautiful when and so powerful when someone has intentionally entered into silence, they're able actually to find words and conversations valuable, and they don't become cheap anymore. Um, the experience that comes to mind is like, I'm sure uh, you've been like on a road trip before with a good friend. And like the first hundred miles, you're just talking nonstop. Like, oh man, look at this. We're so excited about this trip. And you're playing U2 or whatever it is, you know. And then after about a hundred miles and you've listened to a couple CDs or whatever. CDs, I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden the conversation just naturally takes, you know, a time of silence. It's like the conversation that begins again almost seems to be deeper than what you first started out with. Like you're with a good friend and at first it's great. You're just catching up on things in life and there's a lot of words per minute. And then, you know, you have a, a sustained period of silence and it's not awkward. You're with a good friend. And then it's like when you begin the new conversation, there's like almost a new depth to it. There's a quality to it. And it's not all the time, but I've just noticed this when silence is entered into freely. It's not awkward. Um, then you actually treasure and value the words 
and they're not as cheap anymore. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it absolutely does and alludes to something even deeper. Like as you were speaking, I was just kind of hearing this metaphor for for prayer and and some of like my best experiences in prayer have been like I come and I kneel down before the Lord in adoration. It's like, Lord, this happened today and this and this and this and this and this and all this is going on and I'm thinking about this and it's just like this this intense period of just spilling out, like just complete spilling out before the Lord. But then, you know, once that's all out, it's like, oh, I can actually just sit here and listen and, and adore and receive and just be and not be thinking about things, like not be just... I don't have anything more to give him because I've like laid it all out before him and then I can just receive and wait. But then when it comes time to actually start asking questions and, and maybe saying like, Oh Lord, like, what do you mean by this? Or, Oh, Oh, okay. Like this is coming up right now and, and kind of explore that slowly, but it, there is that depth to it. And it, it definitely doesn't happen every time I go to pray, but it's just like the days that it does. It's like, wow, Lord, you know, I met you today and like you met me here in this place but, you know, once you go through that period of, of just being and, and waiting and receiving and really listening, then it's like, wow, anything else that's said after that means so much more because it's, it's a gift, you know, it's, it's something, something extra on top of becoming comfortable with, with the crazy words and then the silence and then somewhere in between. So prayer is facilitated by silence. But I think the part we often forget is that silence is a lot more natural to the human condition than we experience it in the modern day. In other words, prayer is a lot more natural to the human condition. I think just a quick survey of history shows us that it's not only the barrage of media that we're constantly faced with that's, that's rather new, but it's also this concept of entertainment, entertainment that we've been talking about. This, this idea to entertain yourself alone is a very, very recent invention. Very recent invention. Probably the, the printing press was the, the first time where that even became a possibility, where someone might, an ordinary person might actually have a book to read by themselves. But even that, reading a book is a very, very different kind of entertainment than the one we normally think of today, which is one taken on an extremely receptive and therefore vulnerable posture. We're just receiving whatever blows are, are brought to us from, from the video we're watching or the music we're listening to. But all that is very, very, very new. And for most of human history, when you come home at the end of the day and the kids are in bed, it's silent, and there's nothing else to turn to except inside. Yeah, even as you were speaking, I'm reminded of St. Augustine's Confessions. And I think it's in Book 10 where he's really getting to the core of his conversion. And he has that great line. Uh, every line is great. But he says, uh, you were within, speaking about the Lord, you were within, and I was without, as if like I was outside. And then when I encountered like the silence, I realized you were always within me. And I had always been living outside. Which means these times where when we get to the end of the day and we turn to entertainment in isolation, 
Not only does that have a disturbing effect on us often enough, but it's also a missed opportunity. It's also a missed opportunity to encounter the Lord. Catherine, what are your thoughts about being a student and thinking about not having silence as a missed opportunity? Can you repeat the question, at least for me? It's almost like turning over the concept of silence viewed negatively and seeing it viewed positively. Mm. So when we don't have silence, we're missing an opportunity versus for many people, silence is either awkward or I have to get rid of it. I have to fill the silence with something. So how does it change the dynamic when we think of not having silence as a missed opportunity? Hmm. Um, I think for me, something that's kind of coming to mind as you're speaking is a lot of my prayer recently has been about freedom and what does that look like? And I think, I think having, feeling this incessant need to fill the void that science presents is, is a burden and it's something that is exhausting and tiring and we're just always like grabbing the thing that's nearest to us and just like trying to continue to stay stimulated because that makes you feel like you, I don't know, are thinking about something or processing something and like this need for productivity. But I think like learning how to embrace silence actually really presents a freedom because I, I feel free in conversations if we reach this place or like a lull in the conversation or, or something where we're not you know, feeling the need to speak and maybe both of us are thinking or processing and, and it's comfortable, it's not awkward. And there's this kind of freedom to enter into this space in, in my minds or you know, in my hearts and in prayer and just say, wow, Lord, like that was really profound. What my friend just said, like, what more do you have to say about this? And I don't feel the need to like continue probing or asking questions or changing the subject quickly. Cause it's like, wow, I can actually sit with this and, and you have so much more for me here than, than maybe I would normally let on. Hmm. And I, yeah, I think just freedom is the word that comes to mind. It's like, I've been thinking so much about this and, and Lord, what are these burdens that I can bring to you? And, and I think just feeling this constant need to be to be filled is by the world, by worldly things. It's one that he's asked me to give him, and, and a fruit of that has been a growth in loving silence and what can come from it. So this is fascinating. It just occurred to me as you were speaking um, about the like connecting, which I've never really thought intentionally before, about connecting freedom or silence with freedom. Um, there's a... Uh, a little phrase from the Psalms uh, that says, be still and know that I am God. It, as you were speaking, it reminded me of like when you actually look at that little phrase, be still, which is sometimes translated as silence. In the Greek, it literally means to let go of your grip. So like that's freeing. <laughs> um, to be still or to be silent, let go of your grip. And know that I am God. It's like when you let go of your grip, you're free. And you don't realize how exhausting it was that you were just holding things so tightly until you let it go. I guess another question I have is, you know, people may be hearing this and saying, wow, like I really crave, like I want to grow in this, you know, I want to learn how to love silence. I want to to become comfortable with this? Like what advice would you give someone that maybe has never even thought about 
silence is something that they desire you know how can they how can they start to grow in this area if i could just revisit my comment on entertainment i don't want to say that isolated entertainment that is to watch enter to 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 be entertained alone is evil but i do want to say that to abstain from it is noble and i think in the abstinence from entertainment that's where we're going to find even if it's new to us that's where we're going to find that kind of recollection it's a recollection which is a gift but we have to avail ourselves to it yeah my first thought is um to seek to be a little courageous take a little risk and embrace the slight awkwardness that comes when you intentionally choose silence and just see what comes and wait until the awkwardness passes or the, the great hunger to fill what you perceive as a void, to really just embrace the little bit of awkwardness that it is, and then allow yourself to see what happens after that. Because uh, for silence to be attractive, you have to find, you have to find the quality of silence. <laughs> um, so just to have a, have a small act of courage and say, wow, as I'm walking to class, I will choose, intentionally so, not to be listening to you know, whatever music on my headphones and intentionally choose the silence and with a slight awkwardness that there, that there is in that just that brief moment. And I just want to open myself up to see what happens next. So this podcast is about to end. So this is our opportunity. And what are we going to reach for as soon as this podcast ends? The next thing? Or to sit there and allow the Lord to speak and give us that gift of recollection. Thanks for being with us today, Catherine. Thanks for having me, you guys. Peace out.